0: Tuning in to Manage the Moment Conversations in Performance Psychology. I'm Dr. Sari Shepherd.
1: Every time that I was about to uh, lose my spot on a team, whether it's because of commitment or performance or whatnot, these are always life, like make it or break it kind of situations where you either quit or you come back stronger. Um, And I think that's what a great champion, right? And I, every time I came back stronger, but right now I'm in the, I'm deciding at the moment if I'm coming back stronger or if I'm quitting. And it's the hardest decision I've ever made in my life because all I can think about is would Michael Jordan quit or would Roger Federer quit if he knew he could still
0: Stephanie Harvey, known by her screen name, Miss Harvey, is a Canadian video game developer and five-time world champion esports player. She is also a woman who is more than adept at managing the challenges of competing in esports at the professional level. I spoke with Stephanie about how she navigates the uncontrollable variables in gaming and esports, as well as the challenges that players can face among the online community as a successful gamer. She also shares her belief that learning how to fail is one of the most important things you can do to achieve success. Stephanie is an advocate, she is an innovator, and she is a champion, and I'm excited to share our conversation with you. Hi, Stephanie. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Um, You're not only a top performer in your field with five world champions behind your belt, but you're also a pioneer and an innovator. Thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. I'm really excited to speak with you about your experience. I know that many people listening will be familiar with your career, but also many people taking part in our conversation today um, won't have as much of a background in esports. And so it'll be great just to hear about your experience as this field has exploded so much in the past few years, Um, but also because you have a unique experience being a woman in esports. Now I say that kind of cautiously, because as we'll talk about, a lot of women play eSports, but not a lot of women compete in eSports. So let's talk about your background. Um, you you are someone who's been a gamer, you say, your whole life.
1: Yeah, I've been playing uh, for as long as I remember. It wasn't always that intense, but I've always had a console or a computer to play games at home uh, as young as I can remember. And
0: in a sense, you say we're all gamers.
1: I think so, because it, it doesn't have to be video games, but we all play at some point in our life, and most of us continue playing um, throughout our whole life, whether it's video games, which is board games and whatnot, crosswords, uh, puzzles, you know, these are all games, and, and that's why I also believe that everyone can be a video game player, they just need to find kind of what fits them the best.
0: Well, I, I'll embarrass myself by saying I recently bought a console, a, an upright console, with a bunch of um, '80s and '90s games packed into packed onto the motherboard. <laughs> oh yeah, like uh, those small, like Nintendo uh, relaunch. Yeah, like Atari and Sega and Nintendo. Oh, yeah. yeah, That's cool. <laughs> uh, but but of course, it puts me in a totally different class than you. But you've been you've been a pro gamer now um, for for quite some time. In fact in your field you're you're just about at the age of retirement um yeah but tell me a little bit about how you got into competitive gaming
1: um i was very i will say randomly uh it was when i started gaming in high school on a specific game called Strike, the game i still play today competitively um so it's been over 16 years and it was the most popular game at the time and everyone around my neighborhood was kind of playing it and to fit in and be able to go to prom with with this guy i really wanted to start playing and get close to him and his friends and i that's how i started playing cs but it took me a little bit before becoming competitive i think at first i was just like proud to be a part of this community, even though I wasn't really good, I was there, you know, but if I was at the bottom of the scoreboard, I could hang out on week nights or weekends with them at local events and whatnot. And um, it was only like maybe a co- six months later that uh, other girls found me and they were like, hey, let's compete together. And that's when I got my first taste of the competition.
0: I think it's wonderful that you still experience gaming as a really collaborative sport and i know you've mentioned that you feel one of the things about being a female gamer is that there's great collaboration and and communication that takes place between women who are on the same team
1: yeah i think it's super important actually because um there's so little women can competitive or competing that you can't really be picky on the players that you pick if there's conflict you can't just kind of drop that girl and pick up another one because there's no one else (laughs) so it's 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 pretty much uh a matter of kind of going through the issues together and kind of growing as humans and learning how to solve problems and how to communicate properly and all of that makes i think female gaming very interesting and different than um uh most of their regular teams maybe not at the top i think nowadays because it's becoming a more and more popular and lucrative field the top teams kind of want to stay more stable and have to go through these issues but before uh becoming pros and i think before um having long-term contracts i think players would kind of like moving around all the time being very unstable every competition every weekend changing teams and whatnot uh and it's something that i've never really faced on a female team because uh kind of had to work through our issues
0: well you bring up important points about being a successful gamer in general because most professional players are going to be on some kind of a team um unless you're you know streaming and that's how you earn your 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 living but if if you're a competitive player you're going to be on some kind of team or you're going to be playing a multiplayer game So communication is extremely important, isn't it?
1: Yeah, in a lot of the games, uh, I think calm is more important than skills.
0: All right, so before we go any further, maybe we need a little bit of a dictionary here. Some terms in esports you may not be familiar with, so let's define those before we go on. Calm. That just refers to communication, communication between team members or communication with your coaches among the coaching staff. Streaming. Streaming refers to video game streaming, which allows fans to watch their favorite players in action in the game in real time on the web. Some esports players earn their living through streaming alone by recording themselves playing in the game and sometimes also interacting with viewers as they do so. Twitch. Twitch is the largest live streaming platform for gamers. Tilting. Tilting is a term for becoming so frustrated, angry, or upset during gaming that your play breaks down and your skill is impaired. (sighs) This can include total meltdowns, but it also just may be that you're so internally distracted that your calm, your communication, is no longer effective and you start making mistakes or you lose control of yourself in a game. Map. A map is the generated landscape that changes every time a new game begins. So now that we have a little bit of terminology, let's keep listening to Stephanie.
1: Yeah, in a lot of the games... uh... I think calm is, communication is more important than skills because uh, in the end, when you're at the top of the world, fighting versus the best of the best, everyone's good at the game. So what matters the most is teamwork, communication, uh, adaptation, positivity, um, and everything that you need to be performing on the day of. Exactly like a sports athlete um, on a professional uh, team, uh, they not only practice their individual skills, like there's a lot that comes into play for the team and teamwork. And I think that's uh, even more important in gaming because it's such a mental and intelligence-based game, but not only like smarts intelligence, but also like emotional intelligence and everything that comes with it.
0: And some gamers are gonna have a natural calm ability uh, and some are gonna have to learn how to communicate. Um, more effectively, you know, if you're if you grew up kind of playing your game and becoming the best at it, but you're 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 isolated and sort of doing it on your own um, or you might you might be streaming and talking to people who are listening, but not necessarily having to have a conversation in the middle of of a game. It's skills that need to be developed. So do you find when you are playing with women in esports that those women have natural communication abilities or do you feel like that's something that's acquired or a combination?
1: I think it's it's a little bit of combination. I think we do talk more uh, out of the box uh, from my experience. But uh, I, th- I think teamwork, it's super rare to have it without learning it. Like You kind of have to learn how to talk to each other. There's also communication that is uh, unique to the teams you play in. So you kind of have to learn that language. Um, also there's different personalities that you play with and you have to learn to play with these people um so there's a lot of a little bit of both uh there's some people they're just gifted right they're just good listener good communicator like very that work really well with others and you know these people are for me uh incredible because for me i had to Kind of learn to do everything. Um, like uh, I was a lonely child. I was extremely competitive. You know, I had to learn to take criticism, and it's still today a challenge. But um, communicate my frustration properly. Communicate uh, between teammates. You know, all these kind of things. It's it's a keep on learning thing for me, where I always want to be better. And uh, I think it's like that for a lot of people. But the thing is that. Not a lot of people want to take that step or kind of are able to do the introspective and realize that they need to do that step. That's like really hard to realize and to do because usually it comes when you're kind of already at the top to learn these basic skill sets. Because right now in esports, we have no coach in the amateur level. All the coaches are at the pro level. And a lot of the time, it's kind of already too late. I don't want to say too late, but it takes a lot more to work on it. No one teaches you at like six, seven, eight, ten years old how to communicate inside a gaming team, right? Well, if you play hockey, football, whatnot, you know, there's precedent that and there's coaches, school and universities and whatnot, colleges that teaches you how to do teamwork. While gaming, kind of learn it um, by yourself. It's self thought, and that's much harder to succeed.
0: You're bringing up some really important challenges that I think would be interesting to talk about. I, I think, you know, so many esports players now, even the professional ones are starting so young. You're, you're talking about teenagers who haven't learned a lot about how to manage their own emotions um, or even that much about themselves. And and yet self-awareness is such an important skill in esports, um, as is patience and frustration tolerance, things that you mentioned because if you're not communicating well or you're not quite sure how to manage different personalities, you don't have that frustration tolerance, um, that's a sure way toward, you know, the path of, of tilting in a game.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's super important to control uh, your emotion, your ups and downs. Um, I think it's been proven in sports as well. Like the more you, you're able to stay calm and even when you're you have success to like stay calm and utilize that to your advantage, uh, when it goes bad, it's the same thing. You're able to stay calm and stay focused on the game and the goal. And I think that's something that in esports, um uh, choking or uh tilting or uh like collapsing under pressure is something that happens all the time because most players don't have any uh, emotional supports when they compete. Even professional players that are competing for millions of dollars are often left on their own. Um, so they have no tools to face these kind of stressful moments.
0: So on the inside of esports, so what's it like when you look around at, at players and the situation? Because I know, of course, in the last few years, there's been the use of more sports psychologists um, and such as myself – Um, in esports, but yet you're talking about a landscape where um, that kind of coaching and and the mental side of things isn't really a part of the upbringing for new players and champions.
1: Yeah, no, I think we are um, opening the doors to sports psychologists and all that kind of stuff. I think that's so important, but it's still very minimal. And even when it's available on teams, not all the players are uh, using these resources and Like I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's about wanting to get better and wanting to use these tools in the game. So even if they give if the teams gave you the tools, it doesn't mean that you respect them or use them when it matters. Um, So and that's at the pro level when it's your life career to do it. So when we're talking about the amateur level. from a to z amateur like from almost semi-pro to this is the first time i'm touching the game amateur there's Mm. not a lot of resources if i would advise parents are now listening that have the means talk to a sports psychologist as soon as you can to support that your kid doing e because um, it's probably the closest that they can get support to in their area because I think it's so important to not be left alone and to have these tools. I started getting these tools when I was over 30 and oh my God, it would have helped me so much if I had those in my early 20s um, to just be a better person In and outside the game Uh, and it's all stuff that now i realize it's so important so crucial and in a way for me for my career it's kind of too late but it's not too late for everybody else that's under 25 right to learn this
0: you mentioned that you you think of yourself as a healthy gamer and and just now you referred to parents getting involved in the careers of of their kids who are playing esports and and one of the things you've said is that when your parents took interest in your gaming, it, it changed your life. You changed the conversation at the dinner table, and you felt more connected and, and more support. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: This is something that I cannot stress enough how important my parents were in my career and how the way they were, they approach gaming completely changed everything. They were never really against gaming, but they did not like that I would go to tournaments with like 500 guys and two girls, right? They were, and for three days, they did not understand it. They were kind of um, just out of the loop of what it is to be like, in a esports sports community, especially we're talking, here we're talking like 2003, like we're not talking in the years that we are right now, where it's more and more known. It's It was really like a little insect in a room. Like, what is this weird thing? And uh, can we accept it or whatnot? So um, I, I'm i someone that's pretty stubborn and I told him I'm doing it with or without you. So you better be on board or I'm out. And it was as simple as that. I was 16, 17 and you know, we all know teenagers at eighteen. We kind of believe we can do whatever we want because we're eighteen, right? So that was my way of seeing things. Like I'm coming, I'm gonna be eighteen, like very soon. So you better be on board, or I'm closing the doors to like my passion and my hobbies. Hobbies. So um, they decided to come to an event without asking me. They just showed up. Uh, to an event I went they showed up and they were like oh this is what the event is oh it looks pretty cool actually and they started getting to know my friends and they started to getting to know the game I was playing and throughout the years they just were involved as if I was playing soccer or piano or I don't know anything that has to do with your child's passion when they're in school and it changed everything because we went from being conflict with the the game being the conflict to the game being the uniting factor in our relationship where they would ask me, oh, what's up with your team? Like, how's this teammate? Like, did you win tonight? You know, how's practice? What's your score in the league? You know, all these kind of things, like they were aware of what I was doing. And when I needed, for example, for a specific day to eat in front of the computer, because we had a really important match they understood and they were able to say, okay, for today, like, we'll make a meal that you can eat in front of the computer so you can win your match, you know, and it doesn't mean that I was eating in front of the computer every time. It means once a month for an exception, they understood and there was no conflict about it, right? And these are the little things that, um, that really made a difference. Where, mom, like, I want to do my exam, but I have a match. Can you give me a ride tonight instead of me taking the bus? Because I need to be on time for a match. Okay, I'll give you a ride. And if it's for your gaming and it's important, we'll be there on time to do both—both both your exam and your game—so you don't ditch either or. You know. And I think these little things were so important because. You know, if you start fighting about you need to stay in school, uh, but you don't support the passions of your kids and you force them to do school blindly without, like, while forgetting about who they are, you're going to lose them, I think, personally, or they're going to get closed up. And that's not what you want. You want them to have a balanced and open life um, and you want them to open up. So you got to be there and understand their world.
0: Your story is a really familiar one to a lot of the players that I've spoken with because esports can be the source of conflict and contention in a family when um, there's a young person who's wanting to make that their life, their passion, their career, and parents, you know, just don't understand, um, and and it can lead to a lot of volatility and arguing and and isolating of of that kid or young adult. Um, But then I also hear on the other side of things that sometimes parents will come around and start to support their kid when they realize that their child can make a living off of esports. And that's not always a positive thing because um, as I talk to players from around the world, and this is going to vary culture to culture and country to country, but sometimes there's more pressure then on the professional esports player because not only was esports part of like a tumultuous history in the family but now there's this expectation that well if you're going to do it then you you better you better be able to either provide for the family or prove to us that you can make a living with this and it provides more pressure to the player when they're when they're involved in the sport.
1: I think that's a, a very good point and I also think it's a it's a weird thing to put that kind of pressure um, on a kid or on someone because it, I I always wonder I always try to compare it to something that we are really okay with. If that person was playing soccer, football, whatever, would they have to perform or else they would have to stop that activity? Um, This is always something I don't think so. Like, do we tell our kids that won't reach the NHL, you need to stop playing hockey because you won't be a pro player? Like, no, we don't. And why would that be the case with gaming? It doesn't make any sense because it's not. If you don't become a pro player, so if you if you don't make a living out of it, this is not the end for you. This is still the beginning because there's so many opportunities in esports. And even if you don't end up working in esports, whether it's journalists or tournament organizer or a team owner or whatever, even if you're not working in esports, um, you have learned so many skills and quality. For your life to face life because you competed because you had to deal with like a life balance schedule and whatnot of the competition and just playing video games itself has been proven to give you to give you so much to face life and um, so for me it's like a non-issue with most of the thing that we say about gaming uh, it's a non-issue. Because we just kind of put gaming on its own when it can be compared to everything we already face these days. And for me, gaming is just like anything else. If your kid plays chess competitively, are you going to tell him to stop playing if he can't make top 100 in the world? I don't think so. Why would you tell them to stop playing video games, right? So that that's the question. is like a mystery to me when... It's not the end. If they don't become pro, it doesn't mean their whole esports path is going to be was a waste. It's not. It's the beginning.
0: And I'm sure some of this has to do with generation differences, you know, um, different revolutions in in Western culture, whether that be the 60s or the 80s or whatever it might be. It's it's kind of another revolution in culture because some of the parents generations aren't going to relate to um, this kind of pastime or hobby or interest um, and yet at the same time, we have such an opportunity to build bridges. I really like the Ted talk that you gave on parents becoming involved in the gaming of their children. And, and I highly recommend it uh, to anyone who hasn't listened to it. it. It is in French, but there are English subtitles. So, um, and I really recommend it because you, you make a lot of good points about the future of, of, um, of this generation and of kids and and how many positive skills can come out of someone's investment in, in gaming, I think that's another generational difference because older generations might think about screen time as being bad for people's brains, or that gaming somehow causes isolation, or that they associate it with um, having difficulty socializing. But esports is a is a really different culture now than when um, gaming began, and there's so many positive things that come out of it.
1: Yeah, most of it are actually positive. I think that uh, because we're scared of change, obviously the society is changing. We're becoming more and more online. And like you mentioned, screen time and video games are more and more present. That this is a big scary thing for the older generations because they don't really understand. um, And they don't really know how to cope with it. But what I always say is like. I think I've said that in the TED Talk as well. You know, for me, gaming is like broccoli. Broccoli is good for you. If you only eat broccoli, though, you'll be sick. Okay, so if you only do gaming, yeah, you'll be sick. You'll probably be sick and probably not going to be good for you. But everything is a question of balance in life, and gaming is is another one of. When it's done right, it, it's the most uplifting and amazing thing ever because it makes you live experiences. and makes you discover people from all around the world. And it gives you so much skills, like tools in life, whether it's working on your multitasking, um, conflict resolution, like I was mentioning, like learning teamwork, communication skills, or uh, decision-making, spatial awareness, like all these kind of things are amazing for kids to learn we use gaming for rehabilitation when people are injured uh we use gaming to conquer conquer fears like there's so many things that makes gaming an amazing tool for life that we can't just we can't just bash on the fact that well if i just do gaming then i'll be like it's bad for you. Uh, Yeah, if you just watch Netflix 24 <laughs> seven, it's gonna be horrible for you. And do I want to ban Netflix? Or do I see that Netflix is the cause for all the problems in the world? No, it's un- it's, it's, it's it's unrelated. It has nothing to do with Netflix. It has to do with co- your consumption and your exaggeration of an object or a tool or whatever. Um, in that case, it's gaming. And we just use it as a scapegoat because we don't understand it.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that we have so many new studies that have shown the benefit of esports for different mental health conditions. For example, uh, an old school game called Tetris is helpful for um, getting people over PTSD, studies have shown. And um, we have organizations. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's we cool. have organizations like um CancerFit that help place kids with uh, who who have cancer or who are recovering from cancer. With esports teams in order to help them find some motivation um, and some joy in life. It's sort of like the the Make-A-Wish Foundation has done with with many other areas of life. Yeah. There's organizations that are really trying to make a difference in using esports to do so.
1: Yeah, and honestly... I think that's where we're at um this especially like the people of my age the 30 plus from esports we we, we want to give back we want to be there for the next generation we want to show support we want to make a difference uh there's no boundaries in esports there's no frontier between the countries there's no uh lim- physical limitation there's no like in a way you can look like whoever, you can have any kind of religion, you can speak any language, you can come from anywhere, like all that. The only thing that unites us or the main thing that unites us is gaming. And that's what's amazing, because um, it allows me my brain to think about so many great things that I can do with gaming and and what I want to give back to the communities um, because of the way it changed my life
0: you've already started giving back some of the things that you do now in your career are, are related to advocacy uh, and trying to make a difference and and a change in, in the community. And one of the things you've done with a group of your collaborators is um, developed a site called misclicks. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, misclicks at the time was built around the idea that, um, pretty much there was no safe place and that women were kind of pitched against each other. And um, I wanted to create and unite a bunch of girls from different communities and make uh, misclicks, misclicks, which was gonna be um, a way for us to promote and advocate diversity and minorities in gaming, to uh, fight the fight that nobody was fighting at the time. Because that was over seven years ago, I think now, because uh, we were not there yet. I think that esports was not there yet. Um, it was not about inclusivity. It was still about just showing that we exist. Um, and uh, so we started Miss and where we had a dedicated dedicated uh, streaming channel to on Twitch, uh, where we promoted a bunch of uh, people from different background into the geek and gimel geek and gaming culture. And we also provided an inclusive community which were, honestly, we had almost a zero tolerance for um, uh, for harassment and whatnot. I say almost because when we had these kind of things come up in our communities, instead of kind of banning them and not supporting them or not talking to them, we would try to uh, teach them first and then if they, that the lesson couldn't be taught, then we would act on it. But we found that it was more powerful to teach the people being jerks not to be jerks than just pretty much punish them right away. Um, that was a really good learning experience for us, actually. But um, but yeah, so we, we started that. We had a website where we lift up each other, lift up other women, talked about successful people in our community, also uh, allowed uh people that wanted to get involved to kind of show up and uh, start their own show uh we had tabletop shows dungeon dragons shows horror shows like we had so many shows at one point on the platform and we did the uh, five years of this this initiatives but as our career kind of blossomed and flourished because Esports and gaming just completely exploded in the last five years. So did our time. It was a lot harder to uh, commit on this project. So we kind of shut off the chapters for now um, by kind of letting all the shows go back to other channels. And so we didn't close the shows. We just let them live somewhere else. So we kind of closed misclicks. But all the girls involved, we continued this... I want to say advocacy or this fight uh, for inclusivity in minorities uh, where we are, like Anna works at Twitch, Jen works uh, at Ubisoft, she was on Rainbow Six, and now she works at uh, Behaviour. I'm everywhere in this part as well. Uh, so we're just in other, I want to say, mandate, but still con- continuing that mission. On a note, on a side note too, there's way more initiatives now that are doing a really good job at what we tried to do. And I think that was also why we decided to uh, move on and let uh, others kind of pick up the fight for now because we didn't have the resources and other people are actually wanting to make uh, that difference too. And I think that's super important.
0: No, that's fantastic. I think one of the things that players don't anticipate as they climb the ranks in esports is just how difficult the the toxicity in the online community can be. So when you have different avenues for support and things that are working to combat that toxicity, it's it's so helpful and important. And I know that professional teams have things in place to help combat the toxicity, whether that be suspending a player or whatever that might be on um, on Twitch or, or on a team, whatever it is where players are reprimanded for their behavior. But at the same time, there's so much about the toxicity that is uncontrollable and, and players are not always prepared for how that might feel. You've said in the past that cyberbullying is one of the, the biggest challenges you've had to deal with.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a challenge that we still to the day are reactive to it instead of being proactive about it, meaning... Um, We kind of fight the fight backward where when there is cyberbullying, uh, whether it's in a game where you can uh, report that player or whether it's in real life where you take action or whether you go see a psychologist when people, when something is wrong or whatnot, it's always uh, backward for me. And I think we need to do way more proactive uh, initiatives to fight that fight at the roots. Like for me... I keep saying this, but for me, we should be in school first thing when you're five, six years old, primary school and teaching the kids how to interact online and how to receive that message as well, because it's not only about, um, I think, bullying others. It's also how you react to bullies. Uh, I think it's a little bit of 50 50 where I don't think that we can extinguish cyberbullying forever with everyone. Like It's something that's going to be a problem probably our whole life. So yes, we can fight, try to avoid cyberbullying, but we also need to be able to when it happens, know how to take it, how to respond to it, how to deal with it. And right now, I don't know of any initiatives that work um, on that side. And I think that's something for me that is so important to be able to be there and not escalate the violence and not play that that game and usually that's what's happening right now like you get insulted you get insulted back and you know it goes dramatic it goes violent so fast with the really Lord.
0: Fast. yeah.
1: and that's just our defense mechanism to pretty much be able to handle it like you fight back um because you don't want to be a victim, right? But is it the right solution? I'm 33 years old. I've done this my whole life. I don't know if it's a solution. I have no tools too. So I want to, I want our government, our education systems to do something about this. I think the internet should be like sex. Sex is in schools and we teach these kids how to have good relationships and why sex can be dangerous, but why you're going to have sex your whole life, most likely, and why it should be a fun experience for both of your partners. And we teach that very young to make sure that people understand the limits. Right. Um, we don't do that for the Internet, but the Internet is the same thing. You're going to use it your whole life. You're going to have most of the time a positive experience, but you can do things that are illegal, but you might get hurt. Um, Like It's the same thing for me as sex, and we need to understand the consequences really young before it's too late.
0: I think it's a fantastic idea. You're speaking about having online literacy training for kids, and I can't think of anything more appropriate. Um, As a matter of fact, if I can help out in any way, let me know, because I think that that kind of training and and, um, and understanding of the online community should start from a very young age. We find even outside of esports that when kids get on social media, they're really unprepared for what they're going to find and yeah. are equipped to be able to, to manage that that kind of culture and, and the things coming at them. So I, I think it would be a, a fantastic idea just to have that kind of training. I, I see what you mean about the analogy of, of sex education. Online education is something that's... Um, that would make a big difference because technology just continues to impact our lives in to greater extents as every as every day goes by. So that kind of training would be so helpful. What a great idea.
1: It would. And, and I think that's, that's, that's a ripple effect that's going to affect gaming in the end, right? Um, and we need to start... We can't start with gaming because it's not... Honestly, it's not... I don't think it's the problem. The problem is way higher than that. The problem is is the internet, the social media, like have never being disconnected.
0: Yeah, sure. Kids are online from the time they're, you know, six months old sometimes. Yeah. Um, um, you know, the, the, the parent who's showing the YouTube kids video to their child while they're eating dinner or, or having a snack um, and holds the phone in front of their, their child's face, it, it starts from the time kids can can really think now. And so I think it's such a good idea to be able to have some education that goes along with how kids can manage that presence in their lives. And it'll just like you say, translate into gaming so that when kids or young adults get involved in esports or become esports professionals, they'll have a background in how to manage the different things that they'll face. Again, really great idea. Yeah,
1: exactly. And we can't just let the honestly, I don't think we can let the parents themselves take that burden. And that's why I think it should be something that's being taught in school and we need to support the teachers in this education system to be able to teach it because we can't just let that burden on the parents because I think we're going to fail.
0: No, that's that's an important initiative to have. I, I know that there's different things happening at, at different levels of education with eSports, but you're talking about something more transformative. So there are scholarships now that are given to university for um, people who are wanting to go into eSports careers yeah. and we are seeing players being developed at that collegiate level and so, yes, we we have education that's getting involved in some ways, but you're talking about something much more transformative, and I think um, yeah. more of a foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think that those college initiatives and um, all of that is so important. Like this, it's crucial. But I think it's 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 not the same as what I'm talking right. about. It's like a different battle.
0: No, totally, totally different. Absolutely, and some of the battles that you've encountered and that other esports players encounter can be quite frightening i mean when you're on twitch and you're streaming you kind of can't get away from some of the comments to you know to the the side of your eye if you look over to them but there's different levels of harassment that take place because sure you're going to have the heckler um as we call it and and like the fan in the stands at the at the football game who's yelling you know you can't throw you can't catch you have that kind of thing that happens in esports but it can also get quite frightening. Um, death threats and um sexual harassment and um threats of of rape and assault and violence. Um this is some of what particularly female esports players can sometimes face.
1: Yeah, it does happen. Unfortunately, as soon as you're a public figure, especially um I'm sure it happens to most people. Um, and when you stream, you take on that choice where you ex- kind of expose yourself to be vulnerable to these things. Um, I always say that I don't think it should be like that. I don't think I should have to uh, face those issues, but at the same time, I I need to be realistic. It happens, and I need to be prepared for it. So. For me, most of the time, I just ignore it, just shove it away. Um, so I would say like 95% I'm, I'm successful at it, but there's still a 5% where I'm getting, I'm having a shit day behind the screen, like nobody knows, and I'm streaming or I'm doing whatever and then I read an awful comment or something happens that can really just push me down. <laughs> and um, those are the hard days and that's why i think you need to be surrounded with a good support system whether it's your family friends and whatnot uh, that will not fuel the drama and that will lift you up Um, because if you get caught in that negativity um, well it's like a how can i compare it it's like a, a beach if you go too far in the ocean it like drags you more and more away. Um I would compare it to that. Like there's a thin line between um being able to swim back and just being like trapped into the ocean. Um and it's kind of a battle on a daily basis to stay on the hey I can swim back. This was just swim swim back, this was fine. Or like today I get I got swallowed and I can't breathe kind of. Um, but like I said, I I guess it's the choice I make,
0: but I would imagine that female athletes from most sports have experienced something really similar. There's a challenge that female athletes face when they become public figures, when they reach the top of their game. Um, because there are some people who don't want women to succeed in that way. Um, there are some people, whether it's just sexism or misogyny or, whatever it might be, who um, just want to tear women down. I mean, everyone from you know, Serena Williams in tennis to, to Stephanie Harvey in esports to you know women throughout sports in general will say that they face this kind of challenge. Another thing that female athletes face is that you become sexualized in order to, to be seen as more, more popular or to find more acceptance as an athlete. And that happens a lot of times where a female athlete might achieve great success and then because of that, you know, she's approached by Playboy or given some sort of other offer, you know, to to become hypersexualized in in order to make more money and make a make a better living. Um sometimes it's just the way things are worded. You you see for example headlines like the 10 hottest pro gamer girls that d- would destroy you at video games. So women athletes are often sexualized in order to sell the magazine or to get ratings for the the streaming show, or whatever it is, and I think that's something that male athletes just can't relate to.
1: Yeah, there's so many points you just brought up. I think that my first point is going to be um, I don't think it's only athletes, um, sports, or esports. I think it's every woman in a position of power, I want to say, um, or every woman in a male dominated environment, or um, like, what are you at the office? Women need to prove that they're competent, while men start competent right away. And I think that's something that, without us realizing it, the society kind of put it in our brain, me included, that if a girl was pretty and she had a leading position, it was probably not only because she was talented, but it was because she was pretty, too, or, you know, like there's so many things in life that taught me to be skeptical about a woman's success. And that's so frustrating now to me because I had to break out of that mole pitching women against each other, of doubting their success or being jealous of their success as if there can only be one woman because that's what people taught me I need to be the best women player in the world and I can't be number two because other women you know they like I need to be the best and um and I think that that's one thing about my career but um it took me so long to kind of realize that assess that and get out of it and start to be happy for the woman's success and not doubt someone's talent just because they're in a position of power and i've never known of about them before so i'm i need to be skeptical about yeah maybe they're not that great you know at what they're doing because um they could be a model so i don't know why they're in esports or you know these kind of thing that um Honestly, other people put into my mind when I was so young and now I started to believe it and I was part of the problem. Um, it, I think it's so easy to be part of that kind of gossip. How do you say that in English? That gossip that is negative for yeah. you, your environment. Honestly, it hurts you so much because you can't... like. My aunt taught me that. She told me something like, you know, if you don't forgive, you're you're the one that's holding on to the pain. And I think that's the same for the jealousy. And it's the same for, um, for most things in life. Uh, revenge and resentment and whatnot. When you feel these emotions, you're the one that's hurting. You're the one stuck with it. You're the one that um, will have a hard time going to sleep because you're taking it out someone else's life why don't you focus on your own life and be happy for other women because it doesn't mean that they're successful that you cannot be successful too it doesn't mean that because they got this award or this job or won this tournament that it undermines your success and i think that's something that took me so long to realize and i wonder if you're a guy if that's how you feel because i I'm a strong believer that I was taught that I needed to be the best woman in everything. And I've always been compared to every single woman in everything that I've ever done, whether hmm. it's my looks or my skills or my role and position or Sally or whatnot. It was always about, um, well, this woman is prettier, or this woman is nicer, or this woman is this and that. And I don't remember my friends Guy friends telling each other, "Well, this guy is hotter and this guy is nicer." Like, this is not something that I feel that they're pitched against each other, uh, while we are for women. Like, most like successful women in X Y Z article happens all the time, and I'm guilty of reading them, you know, because I'm being pitched. <laughs> these headlines and medias and marketing and, and whatnot that this is how we should behave. This is what the most beautiful woman looks like. And this is what I should achieve to if I'm not there, then I suck, kind of. Um, and I feel that's how I was raised and not by my parents, but by society.
0: Yeah, I think you speak to something that female listeners will probably recognize pretty pretty quickly that We are often, as women, um, taught to be skeptical of other women or to feel a sense of competition rather than supporting each other. And, of course, there have been many women who've tried to change that tide over the course of history and encourage women to support each other and, and to see each other as allies. One of the things you said is so often we compare our situations to others and get depressed by our progress, but that's not how it should be. We need to learn how to fail how to lose and how to be happy for others, this is the best way to achieve your own success. Yeah, I
1: think that's a, that's exactly it. Learning how to fail is more important than winning. Learning how to focus on your career is more important than comparing yourself to others. If you, I learned this from a professional BMX uh, female athlete that I work with at the Olympic Committee um she's a, a goal she's a medalist in her country well in the world but she's from new zealand and she she says focus on being the best athlete you can be and that will make you a better person, if you focus on your goal and how to achieve it. And if you actually think that you did the best that you could in a tournament, you won't be disappointed because you did the best you could. Even if you got second place, you worked hard before, during and after. And you the best you could was second place. So you have to be happy about That second place. She said that when she had that motto and she won silver, everybody thought that she won gold
0: because Mm -hmm. in
1: all the interviews, she was so proud of herself instead of being disappointed that the whole country is still today, years later, congratulating her for her gold when she never won gold. Because she was proud of the best she could do.
0: Mm, that that's great, and I think it does speak to the mental side of of being an athlete that you want to try to optimize your own performance and control what you can about your own execution, the execution of your skill, rather than letting concerns about how other people are are performing impact your own approach to your sport. Because one is going to be much more, of course, of, of a distraction and it's yeah. going to hinder your ability to stay in the moment and execute your skill.
1: It's learning, it's wanting to win instead of being scared to lose, and I think that's crucial in esports.
0: Yeah, it's crucial in a lot of sports. We we hear from football to golf to esports that that you you need to play to win and instead of playing not to lose. And that mindset often brings a different caliber of performance.
1: Yes, I, and even today, it's hard to understand it. Like you say that, and I'm—I have to stop and think about what that means, um, because it's—it's it's really subtle to sure. be an either or, right? It's really a question of of wanting it just a little more than the others.
0: And learning how to perform under pressure, which you've had to do not only in esports, but you are also the winner of, of Canada's smartest person. Uh, so, and you're a public speaker and you, you um, work in policy initiatives. And so you, you know what it's like to perform under pressure.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I, I'm guilty of that.
1: I've done tournaments where I was scared to lose and I lost them. <laughs> I lost <laughs> them every time. So yeah. Uh, I think that even when I was playing at Canada's smartest person, when I was scared to lose, I was falling behind. And when I was like, okay, well, um, let me just finish this for myself. I ended up winning the races I was behind just because I was focusing on myself and my own goals. And uh, it's crucial just in life overall, you can't compare yourself to others because especially with social media, this is the tip of the iceberg. Everything you see online is probably exaggerated to be better. So if you compare your life to everything that you see, the top of the iceberg, you'll be, you'll be so, um, in French, there's a word for it. You'll be so sad because you compare yourself to unrealistic goals. Their life is not just the iceberg, the top of it, right? There's a whole block of ice underneath the ocean. And that's your life and you're trying to compare to something that's not realistic the top of the iceberg of everybody else successful traveling being hot on the beach you know uh, like always on their best angle like it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't mean you shouldn't consume it it just means that you, you just need to understand that that's not their life as well
0: Well, I think having expectations that are realistic rather than perfectionistic also makes a difference. You want to try to be the best that you can be, but that doesn't involve trying to be perfect um, because everybody's going to need to learn and to grow and to um, continue to push themselves in whatever field that they find themselves. And oftentimes it's when you try to be perfect and avoid making any mistakes that you end up making more mistakes.
1: And I think, I think it's so important to make mistakes and embrace it and learn from them. Um, you know, when I was practicing, when I'm practicing with my team and we destroy a team in practice, we don't learn anything. We really don't. Practice is useless. Like, you need to have hard matches and hard games to sit down and say, okay, we need to improve this and that and whatnot to be able to improve. You need difficulty. You need... Um, challenge to be able to get better. You need you need to make mistakes in order to reach the next step and learn and grow and just overall create something better.
0: And you talk about that using that efficiency in practice that you you shouldn't really focus on trying to learn every single detail there is about a map because you don't usually do that in a game. You want to work on your utility and your positioning and how you're communicating with your teammates and and focus on efficiency in practice in order to be most efficient in the game.
1: You know, this is a debate that some people might disagree with, but I am a strong believer that right now, most teams are not utilizing their practice schedule in the right ways. Um, we're, it's getting better and better, but I don't think that just playing and playing and playing um, is necessarily the optimal way to get better. Um, I think the opt- you need to know that if you play 10 hours a day, Probably a lot of these hours are wasted time because you could be recharging your batteries. You could be doing other activities that will make you better in the game, uh, because I strongly believe in mental fatigue. um, And if you're not 100 percent in the game uh, and 100 percent focused and wanting to learn and be better, You could be utilizing your time in other ways. And I don't think that we can be 100% efficient 10 hours a day in a game. Like, I think it needs to be done efficiently and uh, not always just playing. Like, there's stuff in each of the games that can help you, whether it's watching an opponent or, um, like going really deep into specific mechanics or working on communication and whatnot on a team uh, can be just as important as playing um, and make you grow faster.
0: Those are great details to point out. And I think you're absolutely right. I think efficiency in practice and preparation is true, regardless of what kind of performance area you're talking about. If you, um, if you don't think mental fatigue is real, you're going to find yourself becoming more easily distracted. Um, Certainly mental fatigue is something that has not only been proven through research, but just through people's experience. There's only so much you can pay attention to at any given moment, of course. And if you're trying to pay attention to too much or you don't have a plan for how to deal with distractions, you are going to fatigue much more easily.
1: Yeah, and on a team practice, um, you need people that understand that um, and you need to optimize your body and lifestyle to be able to be on point when you are practicing and doing matches so that your mental fatigue is um or just your mental is not fatigued if that makes any sense um so what, what you're eating the amount of time you're resting when you're eating you know everything that a regular athlete needs to go through to have is optimal performance on the day of his competition it's the same for gaming and it's not because we're sitting in front of a computer or console that we don't have physical limitation and that we should practice all day we do have physical limitation and we need to take care of our body just the same
0: sure i work with people who are not even 20 years old and they've already had pinched nerves and wrist injuries and um you know lower back problems and and I think yeah. caring for oneself when when you're an esports player is also important. Education to have really early on, absolutely. You're also yeah. talking about controlling the things that um, are repeatable and predictable, and where you can find some confidence being able to build up the skill that you know you can exercise at any given moment. Because in in esports, as with a lot of other athletic fields, you're gonna f- you're gonna face a lot of uncertainty. So the things that you can do to help yourself feel that there's more that you can predict and control, it's always to your advantage to be able to maximize that.
1: Yeah, so team practice is to be able to control as much as you can. So when there's the uncontrollable happens, you know what to do. So whether it's working on your communication to face these uncertain situations and what to do when you don't know, um, or it's working on your muscle memory. So when the day comes, you're, Muscle memory is not going to be a problem because you can control that. You can control the amount of time you do uh, solo practice and practice your aiming, your grenades, your strats, your communication. All of that you can control. Uh, What you cannot control is on the day of the the game what your enemy opponent is going to do. But you can have a game plan for a lot of the things they're going to do. And a lot of the things that might happen you want to know how to handle these situations and so that when it's uncontrollable, you have solutions or you have a plan still. Um, and I think that's the part you can control and just like in anything in life, if you cannot control it, don't stress about it. Work on the things you can control. If I'm stuck in traffic, I don't stress anymore. And if one day kind of clicked in my brain, I can't control that traffic. Nothing will change whether I stress or not at this moment. I will be late. I just have to accept the fact that I'm going to be late. If I didn't want to be late, I should plan better. I should have left earlier. Now it's too late. I'm in traffic. I need to relax and think about something else because I can't change what's going on right now. What I can do is learn from it and next time leave earlier, <laughs> you know. So it's it, That's how I see most of the things in, in life, and that's why when I'm not prepared, I get mad at myself. But when I'm prepared, I'm okay, and I'll be okay.
0: That's an excellent summary. I I think of just sports psychology principles and how it affects esports. You you've just hit on a number of really important points, and being able to execute at your best and control what you can, and um, be as prepared as possible, and feel like you're bringing your best your best game to to your performance. I, I could talk to you for hours. I'm enjoying this so much, um, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I, I do have questions that I ask everyone. If it's okay, I'm I'm going to shift and, and ask those questions of you. Yeah, let's do it. Great. All right. So, Stephanie, what in life are you still curious about? Um,
1: a couple of things, I would say how to be happy, I still struggle with it. Like, I still don't know what my life without competing is. It's like, I've been competing for so long, it's a struggle for me to find purpose now. So I guess that. Um, And learning. Um, For some reason, I just love learning new skills or new things or dive into stuff that I could learn or make a difference or start a project with and make things better still stuff that I'm curious about.
0: What is more distracting to you as a performer when you receive praise or when you receive criticism?
1: Hmm, probably criticism. Um, I know that a lot of people fuel from it. and want to prove people wrong. Um, and I guess I, I, I can be like that, but most of the time I take it really hard. Um, when it has to do with my skills or my intelligence, <laughs> when it has to do with my body or whatever, I can brush it off pretty easily now. Um, but when it has to do with, uh, the things I say or like difference of opinion or my skill, or whatnot, I think I can take it really hard and I'm running out of energy, proving people wrong in the game. So, uh, it's been a long journey for me. That's why I'm like in semi-retirement right now.
0: As a performer, you obviously prepare for every tournament, and yet the unexpected can happen. What is something unexpected that happened to you as an eSports player?
1: Um, You know, so many things. Um, You prepare a certain way versus a team that you think they're going to play like that, and they show up on on game day, and they play completely different than what you prepared for, um, or something that always works for us and we barely practice anything else because it always works. All of a sudden, on day, on day of the day of the tournament, it doesn't work um, for whatever reason. Um, so you might say our preparation was lacking and whatnot, but uh, sometimes it's just how it is. You play versus Americans players who have a different, like a completely different play style than European players, and you go to a tournament, and you face European players, and you couldn't really prepare that well for it because you live in America. So there are situations where no matter how hard you prepared, you come up to the tournament, and you need more tournament experience to prepare for that as well, kind of. So I would say every time that I've competed uh, for the first time with a team internationally, uh, no matter matter how hard you prepared, usually uh, you kind of face stuff that you couldn't prepare for.
0: The challenge though of being a professional athlete for sure yeah. um what is one tweet or comment that you've received um that still stands out to you because of its impact it, it could be good or bad or for whatever reason but something that still stands out to you because of its impact
1: uh recently i did an interview with richard lewis um he's a eastward he's journalist uh has been pretty controversial throughout his career because uh he is pretty opinionated and sometimes he's he can be really intense in his delivery but i i think that's what makes him a really great journalist like he doesn't let people get away with stuff he digs really deep in his uh in his research and um you know in the past we've had hot and cold experiences together where sometimes i've done i've said things that i was wrong and we got into heated arguments and whatever and then he was wrong and but years later we saw each other at an event and we kind of brushed everything off and started fresh and we did an interview together recently and um he before posting it he tweeted a very very strong message about how (laughs) how he respected me and how the community was lucky to have me kind of and um Coming from him, coming from like everything that he's been through, that I've been through, it meant so much. I had tears to my eyes um, because, you know, not everyone likes me in my community. I can be really polarized where either kind of hate me or like me because uh, I'm, you know, I talk about diversity. I i am known to be a uh, f- feminist, which for a lot of kids means a bad thing when it should just be about gender equality. I don't want female supremacy. I just want things to be equal, right? Um, and uh, it's something that's not greatly seen online. And uh, you know, I, to have someone that's that respected or that quote unquote that I respect in the community say something like that, not behind the scene, but like as a tweet, um it meant a shit ton. I was I so bet. moved. Um and I liked
0: it. I bet. I have to say though, it's so shocking to me that after all of these years since the feminist movement that um people are still having trouble with it. <laughs> um yeah. um it, it's really um amazing that that we haven't come to terms after all these years with the idea that when women say they are wanting to be treated equally, that it in no way implies female domination. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so surprising to me and saddening to me that that's that's still a perception.
1: Have you ever seen that t-shirt? I forgot which celebrity was wearing it, but... It was written: You're either a feminist or an asshole, (laughs) because that's pretty much it. You either want gender equality, you're a freaking asshole. (laughs) So, in a way, most guys are feminists too. It's just uh, sure they they don't know.
0: (laughs) Sure. Well, it used to be that feminists would go onto university campuses and ask some pretty basic questions, like, "Do you believe that women should be treated equally to men? Do you believe that women deserve?" Equal pay for for their contributions to the workforce. Do you believe that women should be treated um, fairly without discrimination or sexual harassment uh, when they achieve success? And of course, everyone would agree to those things in the audience, and and then the speaker would say, "Well, then you're a feminist." Um, yeah. And people would find themselves surprised that they're they're a feminist. But um, again, it's it's really surprising to me that we still struggle with that. Yeah. Just a few more questions. Um, Stephanie, how do you move on from failure?
1: Um, Another great quote that really has helped me, you either uh, win or you learn. There's no failure. That's great. So you don't see it as a failure, see it as a learning opportunity and then it will never feel like fail.
0: Great. I love that. Have you ever had what you would say was a transformative moment in your career? And if so, what was it?
1: Mm. Every time that I was about to uh, lose my spot on a team, whether it's because of commitment or performance or whatnot, because it happened a couple of times in my career, these are always life, like make it or break it kind of situations where you either quit or you come back stronger. Um, And I think that's what makes a great champion right um, and I every time I came back stronger but right now I'm in the this I'm deciding at the moment if I'm coming back stronger or if I'm quitting and it's the hardest decision I've ever made in my life and I'm very confused because all I can think about is would Michael Jordan quit or would Roger Federer quit if he knew he could still win um and if if the answer is is i sh- i want to quit then maybe i'm not the champion i think i am so it's very scared. i'm very scared i think i need to to, to figure out like to talk to <laughs> psychologists about that so they can lead me the right way because right now i don't know i feel like a i feel like i'm giving up even though it's been a f- 16 years old 16 years career because right now i might choose to not fight one more time. So, yeah. What do you do? I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, it's such a tough decision because you've invested your whole life in this career and yeah. transition out of sport is always so challenging and your identity has been as an, as a champion and as an esports athlete. It's what you've put your whole life and all of your time into. So, yeah. whenever that day comes, whether it's now or 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 sometime in the future, um but it's not going to be easy no matter when that comes. Um yeah. because that transition is just difficult for anyone who's put their heart and soul into into their competition. Yeah. It's
1: yeah, it's very difficult. I've asked my old teammates that retired, when do you when does it fade away and they said it never does. So it's like a a li- long life battle to stop competing, kind of.
0: Well to bring it back to what you mentioned before about Michael Jordan and other competitors y- you can look at their experience and see how hard it is to leave what you love you know it, some become coaches some become broadcasters some become journalists some become owners um some feel like their best days are behind them and then how do you how do you manage that um there's just a lot of challenges with that transition but um, and yes, of course, I'd advocate talking to a sports psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, so, last question um, in 30 seconds or less, Stephanie, what have you learned about yourself from your particular career as an esports player?
1: Um, I can't really be put in a mole. I can't um, like a mold. Like I can't follow the eight to five pattern i'm different i sleep differently i work differently i follow my dreams i rush to my passions and i can take on any challenge and i'm grateful that eastwards allows me to do all of that uh, because i think i would have a hard time fitting in that uh what, what used to be a working day, a working week. And now is my life is very different than standards.
0: Well, you've learned a lot about yourself and you've also taught us a lot today. I think that people listening will um, be able to take away so many things from our conversation, whether that be about performing at your best or how to navigate the online community or how to be involved in the lives of our kids so that they have some online literacy and, and don't fall into some of the traps that people have before them. And thank you so much for teaching us through your experience and, um, and spending the time just sharing from your, your wisdom and your learning today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. You are a great interviewee. You had, or uh, the viewer, you had great uh, preparation and it showed that it was uh, really fun to talk to you.
0: Oh, thanks. It was really great talking to you as well. <laughs> and I wish you the best in whatever, um, You choose whenever you choose um, to make a transition. And I have a feeling that you'll continue to make an impact in whatever you do, but I I wish for you that it will be a very happy life.
1: Thank you so much. I wish you the best as well.
0: This has been Manage the Moment with Dr. Shep. Life is a collection of moments. It's how you manage the moments that makes the difference. My thanks again to Stephanie Harvey for joining us to share her experience and her insight. And thank you for listening. On the next episode of the Manage the Moment podcast, we will be taking a left turn to a whole different kind of performance experience. I hope you'll join us to listen to that conversation. For more information about the Manage the Moment podcast, you can see the episode notes for this broadcast. And you can follow us on social media and I'm on Twitter at Dr. Shep. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening and sharing these moments with us. Until next time.